Well, much grace and peace to you in the holy name of Jesus, Church at Harpeth Heights. Um, my name is Jacob Bell, and I have the amazing opportunity to serve alongside you all uh, as the student minister here. Uh, my partner in ministry and my bride is Catherine Bell. She's actually right up here. And our little baby of a menace, who is a little golden doodle, uh, his name is Tucker Bell. But we did not bring him here this morning because he would literally be saying hello to all of you with a friendly little bite. And he would just be so excited to see uh, daddy up here. Um, but uh, it, it warms our hearts that we are finally uh, here uh, with you all. Um, I agree completely with Paul. Uh, when he says in the beginning of Philippians that I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace. Church, it is true. Uh, Catherine and I, every single time that we are praying for you, we give thanks to God. We're so joyful when we think of you, and it is true, it is right uh, for all uh, of our feelings to be for you, that we are so excited that we get to partner with you as partners in grace. Partners in grace. We are excited about this opportunity just to serve uh, alongside our students here. And let me go ahead and encourage you right now. God is bringing breakthrough in revival through this next generation. Literally through the youth and the young adults in our city, this generation of Joshua is walking into the promised land and people are coming to know about our Jesus. Amen. With such fervent prayer and holy love. And students, I want our church to hear me tell you, don't let anyone despise you for your youth. But instead, set an example uh, in faith and love. Let our church and let our city know just how deep uh, our Heavenly Father loves his kids. I'm so excited uh, to be with you guys this morning. Uh, this week we are starting a new sermon series called uh, Seasons of the Soul. It is a series where we will look at our stories with honesty and vulnerability and find a God who has not gone anywhere, even in the midst of our changing seasons. And as I have jumped into our passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I was even reminded of my own call story, uh, a story of rising and falling and resurrection. I grew up in what I knew at the time was church. I had an interesting family dynamic of how the Christian faith uh, was practiced. Uh, being half Filipino and half Caucasian, I had uh, different uh, family practices of, of worship. Uh, but one thing was the same for me as I was growing up. There wasn't much of a deep love for Jesus. Um, every time I would walk, uh, walk in my life, Love for Jesus was more about proving that I was worth loving. Uh, my entire life, I would try to achieve whatever I could uh, while building a tower of Baal, trying to make a name for myself. In fact, I was trying to go up a ladder, not knowing that Jesus came down that ladder to be with the person that I already was in the season I was already in. 
Year after year of attempting to prove my worth through wisdom and knowledge, I was nothing more than a lost religious person. That's all I was. I mean, I knew things about Jesus. I knew biblical truths and whatnot. But I was not in love with Jesus. I was so dead and so sinful uh, that it wasn't until I went through a deep season of grief and loss that God began to shelter me in the comfort of his wings. You see, I remember going through a season where I was the student university chaplain and I experienced one of the greatest divisions on our college campus. I remember being in that same season, losing a family member who I did not have reconciliation with. Um, I remember being so filled with self-righteousness that I was just turning a blind eye to family and friends. The weight of self-seeking glory was really putting weight on my shoulders that I was collapsing. That it wasn't until a man who I only met once named Stephen looked me in the eye and said, Hey, Jacob, you're incredibly wise and knowledgeable, but that does not save you. I don't, uh, God does not share his glory with anyone and you've been taking it in for yourself. How dare he? He doesn't know me. I've only met this guy once. But it was in that season that Holy Spirit exposed me for who I really was and who Jesus really was. King. And it was in that season I read Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. And that verse says this. For I consider all things as loss in comparison to knowing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It was in that season that I recognized that he was king, that to know him fully was to love him devotionally, um, as Brandon said uh, last week. That's where I was, and I began to fall in love with my Jesus. And it was only during a season of complete loss and grief that I encountered a God in my closet, in a space with fear and trembling, knowing that holiness came into the space. And he said, child, I'm with you. It was in that season that I could finally breathe where my achievements put me in a chokehold. Control of my life was an idol I thought I had in my corner. But when everything began to fade away, Christ was the only one left in my corner. Even so much loss and so much struggle and so much sin, Jesus didn't go anywhere. And it has been by remembering this call story for me that I think that we can dive into this text knowing that this is a shared story for the family of God. A story of rising, falling, and resurrection. Stand with me in reverence through the reading of God's word this morning, church. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. 
A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his struggles? I've seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats and drinks and enjoys all his efforts. I know that everything God does will last forever. There is no adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him. Whatever is has already been and whatever will be already is. However, God seeks justice for the persecuted. Father, thank you for just your abounding, faithful love. We give thanks to you for your presence and how you have already gone before this people, how you've already been in this space. Lord, I pray that your people would further have an increase of love for you in knowing your character and knowing your presence, even in the midst of our pain. Lord Jesus, thank you for embracing the cross. We come to you to listen to your word. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Ecclesiastes is in a section of scripture we call wisdom literature. It is a book where my Bible prof has told me that it is the old man wisdom in this collection of wisdom literature where Proverbs is the midlife wisdom and Songs of Songs is that very youthful wisdom. Um, And right before this chapter, in chapter 3, we see in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 that the author says that, hey, death really puts an end to our pursuit of greatness. That and uh, your pursuits are kind of pointless. Um, Not really the thing that we desire to hear, right, (laughs) this morning. Um, But then at the very beginning of chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he says this, There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die. I remember uh, where I was when I first heard of the musical Hamilton. If you have never heard of the musical Hamilton, let me go ahead and tell you that it is a Broadway musical, uh, really hip-hop-like, that tells the story about this American Revolution hero and this American forefather, Alexander Hamilton. If you've heard of it, you would know what I'm doing here. Um, But as I was uh, driving with my dear brother, Jeremiah, uh, he was telling me about this musical and how I've been literally missing one of the greatest points in life, which is to listen to Hamilton. And he told me that as soon as I would start listening to it, anytime I heard the songs, uh, I would drop everything I'm doing and sing. Uh, Catherine can definitely uh, attest to that, the many times I've done that in Kroger. 
Um, but uh, one of the songs that I thought uh, was really catchy and one that my vocal range can hit uh, was a song called uh, Wait For It. Uh, the song is about Hamilton's friend, Aaron Burr, who compares himself deeply uh, to Hamilton. The song plays as a, as a foreshadow to Burr's soon downfall, uh, where he was caught up in all of this loss and all this despair and all this comparison and jealousy. And in this song, he shares his honest feelings about his life and where he thinks his life is headed. And he sings this. Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes. And we keep living anyway. We rise and we fall and we break and we make our mistakes. And if there's a reason, I'm still alive. When everyone who loves me has died. I'm willing to wait for it. I'm willing to wait for it. And then he crescendos with this statement. I am the one thing in life I can control. This was a song that comes from Burr's very soul in a season where he refused to feel the feelings he had of loss by attempting to achieve what he could and get busy enough to numb the pain. One thing I'd ask him if he were here on stage with me in the most Broadway, Hamilton way I could would be this. But Burr, sir, do you not know that the pain you're going through, achievements and denial, can't cure? There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. If there's anything that this text is conveying to us, it is this, that there are seasons. There are peak seasons like life and death, and there are seasons of diverse emotions. We love it when we go through seasons of laughter and happiness. I get that, and I too desire that. One of my favorite moments is when Catherine and I are just dancing in our living room and we just have this uncontrollable laughter that really for no reason except we're just really happy. <laughs> However, uh, a lot of our testimony through the times of weeping and mourning is a wait for it attitude where we will just deny the pain that we are going through, the loss we are going through, the grief that we're going through, and just push on until times get better. Church, let me tell you, we have no control of the seasons we go through. We will have those seasons of laughter and we'll have those seasons of mourning. I mean, look at the Psalms. Uh, look at King David. He's so joyful in the presence of God that he can't help but jiggy a little bit. He's dancing. But there's also some moments where he's completely anxious that his enemies are going to kill him, that he is mourning with deep groans. He has honesty in his songs that he wrote. Why? Because he recognized that being human on this side of eternity is full of honest, high and low emotions. When you go through seasons of laughter, church, share your joy with your family, friends, and neighbors. But please hear me when you go through seasons of mourning, because you will, hear me. Do not be ashamed of your tears, because those tears bear witness to your courage as you encounter those seasons. 
Your struggle is not wasted. Your struggle is not unseen. Those moments of struggle bring you to a type of redemption and comfort that can only be known through them. I remember the season Kat and I just got out of. It was a season of just complete exhaustion. And if we are both being honest, and I asked for permission to share this, if we're both being honest, it was a season of deep anxiety where depression was just knocking at the door. We had college students every other day threatened to take their life. And because we were in a situation where we were 24-7 on the clock, we never knew at what point would a student want to take their own life. We remember being in such grief that it was eating at our souls. And we remember weeping like King David saying, Lord, are you listening? Church, we have no control of the seasons we go through, but we have the assurance that God is in control, that he is the only sovereign. But what you must know is that in his sovereignty, he is good. Psalm 103, 6 through 17 says this, church, listen to his word. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes. And his place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him. Church, our God is good. He is faithful in love for you and for me. God has never lied and cannot lie about his character. He is good, gracious, compassionate, and never forgets his covenant with his people. Like a good shepherd, he leads us and walks beside us in our pleasure and in our pain. What seasons of loss, anxiety, and depression attempt to do is overwhelm us with fear and trap us into a crisis of meaning. We fear that God does not hear us and we feel trapped in our own struggle. What you must know is that God's character has not changed and has never been shaken. Isaiah 55, six through nine says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion 
on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Church, this is good news. You can find God when you seek him. He can be near to you in your pain. But not only that, it's encouraging that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that his ways are higher than our ways. Because you know what that means? God can handle you with all the thoughts and emotions that you have, that you can just scream into the void and he can handle it. He is there with you. Jesus is, in fact, our great high priest who empathizes with our pain. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. C.S. Lewis famously said in his book, The Problem of Pain, that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God shouts to us in our pain like a father who sees his children suffering. Family of God, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, knowing that we will receive mercy and grace in our time of need. We come to the throne of God completely undone with our honest, high and low emotions and receive mercy. That is a promise. Ecclesiastes gives evidence to us that no matter how absurd your feelings and emotions are in whatever season you are in, we have a God who is with us. The name Jesus literally means God with us. He shouts uh, his heart for the people and how he lamented for them. Our God encountered deep anxiety in the garden before he, del- he was delivered to death. So much anxiety that blood dropped from his face. This is the same God who says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus makes the promise that they will be comforted by him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How could he do this? How could he promise such peace? Church, he is calling us to remember that he is the prince of peace. He told his friends in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. This is a peace like none other. This is Jesus' peace. Jesus is the peace. Jesus gives himself. 
He embraced the cross to the glory of God so that we would be rescued and restored. By his stripes, we find the shalom necessary for the seasons of our soul. It is because of such love that we can open our hands in our seasons and pray like Jesus into your hands. I give you my soul. One thing that happens when we come into the presence of God, into the throne room of God, no matter the pain or pleasure, is that we come to be in all of him because of who he is and what he has promised. It is when we come into the presence of God with our honest emotions of fear and grief that we see that God is not absent in them. He seeks justice for those who are suffering. This justice is not in light of just the temporary. This justice is in light of eternity. God reveals his promise again and again when we are in seasons of suffering to help us remember that loss and grief do not have the final word. We don't struggle as those who don't have hope, do we, church? We have a hope that will not disappoint us. Romans 8, 18. This is huge. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. And this is where I do my little sweat wipe. It is more than okay not to be okay in our suffering and even in our weakness and even in our lamentation. It says further in Romans 8 that Holy Spirit even has deep groans with us when we don't even know what to pray. But these present sufferings of loss and grief are nothing in comparison to the future glory that will be revealed to us. Ecclesiastes is right. There is a time for this and there is a time for that except to kill and throw stones because that's just ridiculous. Don't do that. But God has appointed a time where we will be made right, where the hope that we have will be reality lived. Church, be blessed when I read this to you in Revelation 21, 1 through 5. This is our hope. This is our future. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look! God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Church is in the throne room of God where he tells us to come to the throne of grace with our pain that he shouts to our pain, sweet child, look, I am making all things new. I see you. 
You're not alone. I'm with you. I am making all things new. Remembering that our hearts were made for eternity helps us to remember that we need rhythms of rest and renewal when seasons of grief and loss come. Church, I need rhythms to help me remember to breathe and to let my honest emotions and feelings be screamed into the void. I need rhythms of discipline to come to my family and friends when I am hurting and loss and grief. These rhythms help us to give up any idea that we have control. But if it is true that God is making all things new, to give up control to this God is refreshing. Remembering this does not mean that we won't feel forsaken. Church, hear that. Remembering this does not mean that we won't feel forsaken. Remembering this reminds us that we will not ever be forsaken. And that Jesus is still in our corner. Would you pray with me this morning?